Blog Talk Radio. Jay Logan ahead of time. Mr. Jay, how are you today? I'm doing great today. Well, you know why I'm excited, Jay. Who do we have in the house that's going to be calling in soon? Mr. Kwaku Mandela in the wake of his grandfather's birthday. How, I mean, this is this is rocking. What, what are your thoughts, sir? Oh, yeah, I think this is great, and... Um... You know, what he's doing out there, we're going to find out. And it's just an honor to have him on our show. We couldn't we couldn't just do It's just right on time, Gail, right on time, you know. It's always right on time. You know, Kwaku and the people we've had, he's been with us before, and I'm just really excited to have him here in the wake of so many things he's doing. And then we have Mr. Martinez. I can't pronounce his first name, folks. He will tell us when he gets on. 15-year-old climate change activist who spoke at the United Nations last week. Can you believe that, Jay? We have him on the Huffington Post. Everyone is talking about him. Amazing young man. Just found out that he's also a hip-hop artist, also from the Aztec indigenous uh, people. 
really to have him on and the grandson of Nelson Mandela. And then we're going to have them engage each other for a minute, too. But before we get into that, Jay, can you bring us right into the ghost teachers? This is something I really wanted to know about. Can you tell our audience about it and let's get this uh, this show popping and started? Sure, sure, sure. We can get into that. It's uh, very interesting um, you, you, when you talk about ghost students and ghost teachers and ghost schools, you know, you think, Oh, well, it must be some kind of scary, you know, flick or something. But no, it's, it's scary, but not the scary you think. Um, the United States has been working with, you know, Afghanistan and that country over there and, um, you know, the birthplace of the Taliban. And so basically they're trying to change the culture. And they're trying to build these uh, wonderful facilities over there, which they have said they have built or refurbished or, you know, somehow contribute to helping in education for kids, for the kids over there, all the beautiful children, you know. Um, well, basically, some of these things America has boasted, Gail, have seemed to not be so, I mean, they're kind of saying some of the stuff, is, some of the stats are right, and then some of them are kind of played with because, you know, we want our country to look good to our um you know, the, the people in the country who wants to know America is doing a good job. So apparently um, they have built, they have certainly built maybe around 700 schools. That's not accurate, but about maybe 700, 670 schools over in Afghanistan. And these schools were functioning. But they can't find them. So this is where we get into where the ghost structure sets in. They, you know, we, we have said and bragged. We have went over there and helped the infrastructure of this country that we have went over there and done a lot of stuff over there, and, you know, America always has to do a good cleanup job. So, you know, we have basically said we have these schools functioning, and there's so many kids in these schools, and some of the kids were little girls. Well, apparently, um, this might be a rough figure, but 40% of that is not true. Uh, there's not a lot of girls in these schools. These schools are a lot of schools that are on the roster. Uh, basically are torn down, you know, not not able to use, no curriculum. Um, we haven't done a good job with the school structure. So this is how we get into the ghost students. There's no teachers. There's no schools. And um, now we, let's, not, let's not say it's that bad, you know, because America has done a lot, you know, in certain areas. But we just kind of brag a little bit more than what was done. Um it was, you know, it was so cute, you know, how the little kids over there, they all helped build these schools, a couple of them. And um, then they had pictures of, you know, a regiment, uh, I think it was October 10th, uh, 2011, um, with some of the soldiers um, uh, from the 87th Infantry that were helped building these schools. And it's great that we're trying to do this. But, you know, war is, a, is, is, is bigger, you know, a lot of times than what we're trying to do. So I, I don't know. Um, I'm not over in Afghanistan, Gail, and I'm not sure, you know, what they're doing over there, but, you know, given the what we're looking at on some of the articles and stuff, um, we should do a better job when we go and um, invade the country or go do our deeds in the country. So I just want to let people know that it's not all chalked up what you think. And uh, this is recent news. Ghost students that are not there, ghost teachers that are not there, and ghost schools that are not there. And 
I wish it could wow. be better. Wow. Well, listen, Jay, we've got Clay Koo on. We've got to get him in because he's got to get back to his event, and we're almost four minutes in. So are you ready to bring on Mr. Clay Koo Mandela? I am, I am more than ready. <laughs> Mr. Mandela, how are you? I'm well. Thank you for having me, Gail. It's a pleasure to join the rest of you. Well, first of all, we thank you for taking time out of a very busy and hectic schedule, given that it's, you know, Mr. Mandela's birthday, you've got a concert going on, everything, you know, so uh, thank you for being on with us. But we thought it was very important, you know, now that we're an external partner with the UN on education and youth and in the wake of his birthday and all the work, the great work you're doing with Global Poverty, who will, you know, intend to be working with as well, we wanted to hear from you if that was okay with you on a couple of questions. And, um, you know, just start sure. off saying with with you, um, Kwaku, you know, we're going to ask you a few questions. Please just answer those questions so we don't get all the goodies away to everybody beforehand since we have you for such a short time. Um, you know, so we're going to no start problem. off. Okay. So we're going to start off right now with you. You know, one of the things, Kwaku, is we hear that, you know, you were at the education uh, a summit last week in Oslo, okay? And we know that you I talked was, about yeah. it. Yes, and you, you you had an eloquent talk, and you talked about the shortfall of biz, uh, billions reaching uh, children for education worldwide, you know, just to summarize it. And, you know, we talk about this worldwide outside of the U.S. As someone who's been South Africa here and all around the world, the U.S. is considered one of the last countries in STEM, you know, like science, technology, engineering, you know, math. And sure. where we the other students in Africa and other places that supposedly third world countries are doing better than we are. I wanted to ask you a different kind of question. Why do you think that our kids in our urban areas here in the United States are lagging behind when we're said to be the richest country in the world? I mean, riches doesn't attribute to uh, having the best quality education system. Uh, I think America has made great strides. Obama's focused uh, very heavily on education and, um, one, increasing the capacity of, you know, math and science amongst students. Um, But I think, you know, we face similar problems here in in South Africa. Um, Often, I think, when you look at uh, education systems, you look at how you can scale uh, to provide for more kids. Uh, but there's a whole process behind that um, when, when it comes to resources, when it comes to infrastructure. And I think one of the most important things is, is educators, ultimately. Uh, finding quality educators uh, is not always the easiest task. And I think for a long time, the focus in America ultimately had been how can we create secure environments for our kids, which I think you've done um, on scale. But I think obviously building the capacity of, of educators and making sure that, uh, one, they're equipped with the resources and the tools to, to actually teach your kids is, is a very important thing that I believe you started the process on and, you know, it will continue. That's interesting. Um, I'd like to ask you, how does education compare in your eyes from Europe to the U.S. and Africa, Latin American, and so forth? 
Well, I think there's different um, systems ultimately. Uh, you know, you in America, you have essentially universal education and free education, um, whereas in Europe and in Asia and largely in Africa, that's not the case. You know, uh, parents have to have to pay for the children's education ultimately. And I think, you know, that leads uh, to <clears throat> people being able to get uh, higher quality of education because of the amount of, of money that's being paid. Um, I don't think, you know, the systems ultimately are too different. I think potentially uh, the teaching methods and and obviously, you know, the young people that are learning, them being engaged in their schoolwork ultimately uh, is a critical thing that I think, you know, Asia has done extremely well um, over the past few decades. Uh, some of the highest literacy rates are in Asia, um, you know, in terms of math competency, science competency, which are very valuable basics that, you know, every child needs. They have some of the highest in the world. Um, so I would say probably the, the learning ethic um, in those regions of the world are, are vastly different to, to America. Wow. Well, Okay. I have an interesting question for you, all right? You know, not all of us, I, I met your grandfather once, and, you know, that's just in passing. Here, You know, you got to know him some. And I would like to ask you, what does, it's, it's a two-part question, actually, Quaker. What do students say to you in your travels when you speak to them? What do they say about education, and what would your grandfather say about the state of education and students today versus in his time? I mean, I've been uh, very surprised. I think um, students in this day and age realize uh, the great potential they have to access information in new ways that, you know, uh, potentially my generation and the generations before couldn't. You know, with the advent of of the Internet and so many different uh, sources for, for young people to gather information, I think they've become more rapid at learning um, about areas of interest to them. Um, and so I've been really surprised by that. And also taking um, an interest in issues ultimately that may not be, you know, at their doorstep. Uh, I met a you know, group of kids in, in Canada who had learned about uh, a series of girls in Kenya that were unable to get uh, educated. They went about creating uh, a local fundraiser at their school that raised over $75,000 uh, to put six girls to school. And so this is what I found is, you know, how the global community is getting smaller and ultimately how, you know, young students um, are taking action ultimately to change their world and change other people's world. Uh, that's interesting. Um, um, you're uh, a citizen ambassador for the citizens, uh, a citizen world, global world ambassador. Could you tell us a little bit about that and how did you become um, how did you get that uh, honor? I uh, I was lucky enough to be invited to um, the Global Citizen Festival uh, a few years back. Um, and one of the things that I've always been uh, moved by is, is citizen movements, uh, whether it's the civil rights movement, the anti-apartheid movement, or recently have we seen in America, you know, the movement to uh, bring about marriage equality. And I was asked um, pretty much a year and a half ago uh, if I would be willing to join Global Citizen uh, as an ambassador and b basically advocate to end poverty by 2030. 
wow. poverty affects over a billion people in the world who don't have access to basic human rights. Uh, you know, we're talking about things like health care. We're talking about access to education um, or access to food. And so these are all things that were extremely close to my heart. Um, you know, obviously my grandfather advocated for an end to poverty uh, throughout his work uh, as the president of South Africa and when he left office. And I felt it was important um, to carry on the torch and Global Citizen was the movement of our time to do that. Wow. That is, oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's wow. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that's, that's amazing. It's almost like, Kwaku, you have taken up the mantle. And what we love is that while he is your grandfather, you, this is, you are, this is, you know, you're your own person. And, you know, we want to talk about climate change. And we have a young man that we're going to bring on right before you jump off in two minutes that was at the U.N. who addressed climate change at 15 years old. He's a hip-hop artist. He's out of Colorado. And he's been written up all over the world after his address to climate change. So we're going to bring on Mr. Martinez because I'll be very honest with you, Kwaku. He can tell us how to pronounce his first name. (laughs) Hey, everybody. How you doing? is Shutezcat Martinez, and I'm 15 years old. Very, very happy to be here with all of you. It's an honor, really. Well, thank you, Shutezcat. This is Kwaku, and this is Jay. And we're going to ask you a question because we don't have much time with Kwaku, and we want to get right into, like, a discussion about climate change. And we actually want to hear you you two dialogue. You know, Kwaku, you have been traveling for a while here. You've been doing projects that run the gamut with you, your grandfather, everything, you know, things that you're creating, the power of the work, the word, so many amazing things. And here it is. I'm going to call you Mr. Martinez, okay? Don't want to embarrass myself. Um, we want to know, Kwaku, what do you think about climate change in general and what the youth have to deal with? And, Mr. Martinez, we want you to get in here with Kwaku and just share with him your thoughts on it so that our audience can hear you guys dialogue. Great. I mean, I, you know, I think climate change is, is one of the biggest um, issues that we have, you know, facing us uh, in current day. Whether you're looking at, you know, abnormal weather patterns that you see, um, you know, currently in, in Europe, or you look at ultimately the droughts that we've seen across the world, whether that be in Sub-Saharan Africa or closer to home in, in California, Um and it's important that young people are a part of advocating um, and really pressuring our leaders to take it more seriously. Uh, there's been several talks about uh, climate change agreements and partnerships, uh, but very little has been done um, in the past decade. And I think there needs to be uh, a bigger onus put on our leaders ultimately uh, to address these and ultimately, I think to inform you know the general population because there's still a lot of of, of disinformation uh, and lack of knowledge. I think uh, that the general public has about you know climate change and the effects it actually has on on our lives and and on our planet. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I think one thing that is also really important to think about is not only the lack of education, but there are so many people around the planet that do know that are aware of climate change that don't know what to do about it. They do not have access to the tools, the resources, the connections that they need in order to address one of the great issues of our time. As you said, this generation in particular, we are going to be left with the worst effects of climate change, ours and future generations. 
and I think being able to give these young people the tools and the resources that they need to prepare themselves for climate catastrophe and to be able to deal with the issue and begin to try to reverse it now is what we got to be teaching in schools, is what young people need to be learning. We're not being prepared for a world of, of natural disasters, of floods, droughts, hurricanes, tornadoes. It's only going to get worse exponentially from here. We've got to start flipping the problem around. We've got to start waking up our generation. We've got to get our generation in the streets, in the courts, a part of the movements on the planet that are taking action. And not only to support our world leaders in taking action, but letting them know that, you know, it's, it's really ultimately their responsibility to take action on climate change. And if they're not going to, we're not going to sit around and wait for them to do it. You know, we can't put all of our hope on them because, as we've seen in the last 21 years of climate negotiations, no action has been taken. No concrete binding agreements have been made. And now it's back to bite us in the butt because we face one of the greatest issues of our time. Our generation is at the front lines of this movement. We not only have to educate the public, but for the public that knows, we've got to empower, inspire them, and give them the tools that they need to really address this issue because it's going to affect each and every one of us no matter where we are. I agree. I mean, I'd ask you this one question. What is it that a young person can do um, to really you know, start getting behind the climate change uh, movement ultimately and learning more about one how it affects them but two how they can participate in actually changing that's great i've spent the last nine years of my life um on the front lines of climate and environmental movements and i'm 15 um so i've 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 traveled to, i've traveled to different parts of the world and spoken to hundreds of thousands if not millions of young people um and one thing that i've seen is that the way in which that we can understand to take action it's not by, you know, first of all, education, of course, is important, and understanding the problem before we jump into it. But I think the next step to that is understanding that the urgency of the issue is calling for us to take action. The urgency of the problem that we face, it's not, it's not just about the planet anymore. Climate change is a human rights issue. We have to understand that, that the greatest stakeholders in the climate crisis are people on this earth. You know, the, the, the world's going to bounce back. You know, sure. if it's totally destroyed, it will. People, not so much. So we got to be worrying about how climate change is affecting us. And for what young people can do is I think it's pretty amazing to see um, young people standing up in their communities and using what they're passionate about, using what they love to do, whether it's photography or film or music or art or dance or poetry. Use the things that we're connected to. Use the things that we love to do and find ways to implement those in in creating sustainable action around the planet, understanding that this generation has power. Our whole lives we're told that we're not going to make a difference in the world until we're older. I'm 15, and I just addressed the General Assembly of the United Nations, and I'm seeing more and more young people around the planet standing up, taking action, and changing their lives, changing the world. You know, we're, we're talking about it right now. And and, and from there, moving yeah, into thanks. action, we need more young people to take action. And it's really possible finding the solutions, finding the connections, finding the people that will help you engage in your community like that. I just want to jump in here for one second, Jay and I. Um, Kwaku, if you could give us one more minute, because there's something I want to ask both of you. Um, Mr. Martinez, you are also from an indigenous culture. And also, you know, um, Kwaku, you being a part of South Africa, Kosa, Zulu, understanding the nature of nature there, being in South Africa, you know, the the climate, you know, everything. You know, you go to Africa, you, you, you're in better shape, you have better teeth, water, everything. You know, you're eating from the land. You know, Mr. Martinez, you're indigenous, you understand. So there's certain things you both have access to, whether you're educated in other places or whatever, it doesn't matter. Naturally and innately, 
you are you have access to climate and understanding in a way that we don't. Kweku, what is it, and, and Mr. Martinez talking to us, but also talking to us, what are we missing? What are we missing that the earth is telling us that we're also not listening to, just not only in addition to what we can do? What can we do with the earth when we go outside of our houses or talking to other people? Um, and one of the things I wanted you to address with Kweku that you said in your video, Mr. Martinez, is big companies were actually coming after you that your mom didn't even want you to go to school or was afraid for you to go to school because of the, you know, I guess they were giving you a hard time about what you were feeling. Can you share more with Kweku and us about that and answer those questions, please? Yeah, yeah, I can start. Um, so I gave a school presentation um, about fracking, hydraulic fracturing, the impact that that has on our community. Um, people are trying to use that as an excuse, as a way to get off of fossil fuels when really it's impacting communities, environment, and climate far more so than, than drilling for, for oil or, or mining for coal. Um, if the impacts aren't worse, then they're equal to to that on the climate, on the environment, and on the people of these communities. So we were spreading that message to different schools, and one of the schools had a a lot of the students had parents that worked for the natural gas industry. The kids loved it. The school loved it. I give two presentations for 200, groups of 200 young people, um, staff and everything. And then the kids went home and told their parents about it, and their parents flipped out. They were all over us about it. They were, yeah, so some pretty sketchy threats from the oil and gas industry and oil and gas reps um, on me and my brother and my family. Um, so, yeah, my mom was, like, super, like, I don't know, overprotective for a bit, which makes sense. You know, they threatening me and my family is, is uh, intense. So she didn't want me to walk to school by myself or anything. It was, like, craziness. It was really, really intense. So it's um, interesting because when, when, when people begin to speak out and and when young people especially that have this much power begin to use their voice, what happens is that the industries that are profiting off of the crisis we're trying to solve, um, you know, they get scared because they know that we can make a difference. That's just, you know, it's not, not to scare young people, but to show them that we have such a huge impact that a multi-million dollar industry came after a 15-year-old kid. At the time, I was 13. Yeah. That's how, that, they were terrified that we were going to make that much of a difference. They were terrified of the power that we have to change the world. And that's why they, they you know, were all up all over us, so. You know, it's a good good example of of young people having that kind of power, and in response to kind of the first question, uh, my entire life, you know, I, I was raised in in the, in the ceremonies and traditions of of my people, of the Lakota people, of of the Mexica people, um, you know, in in ceremony and song, learning dances uh, from 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 my culture, kind of immersed in that, and simple teachings that I always kind of found, you know, pretty normal, you know, this is the way that I was raised, um, but seeing seeing the world is connected. You know, and in in I've I've gotten some some feedback on that, and saying that we are all connected, you know, a lot of times flips people off, right, or like it turns people off because you know, like yeah, it's BS, you know. But the saying that we are all connected does not mean that we are all the same. I believe that saying that we are all connected means that deep down within each of our humanity, we all have a connection to the planet that connects us all. Each and every one of us is born and survives because of the earth, because of the resource it offers us. You know, when we touch the water, it's the same water. that we If we touch the water coming out of the sink, it's the same water in the ocean. It all circulates around. There are those forms of webs of connection, the dynamic, the dynamics of an ecosystem and the way that we play a role in it is all connected. You know, the world is a web. And the decisions that people make in our lives impact the people around us. That is the form of connection that I'm talking about, that I was raised with that ideology that that the decision that we make will affect the rest of the world. 
whether it's smaller, whether it's on a grand scale. And we have to begin to understand that because once we understand that, we will see that our decisions affect the planet and we begin to create, think differently, make better decisions, take clearer action, do things that we see that it's not just about us, it's not just about our generation, it's about the rest of the planet, it's about the rest of humanity, it's about future generations to come, generations unborn, the decisions that we make in these next five to ten years surrounding climate change, surrounding the crises that we see on our planet, surrounding poverty, all these things. That's really going to determine the future of of, of of humanity. You know, the next five and ten years is going to determine what what the planet looks like in five hundred years. And reconnecting to that, reconnecting to where our food comes from, something as simple as that, to how we get our water. You know, that's that's something that people lack that that indigenous cultures around the world have been very aware of. And and not saying that you know, one thing that I like to think about is that we are all indigenous to this earth. You know, no matter where we are from or who we are, we are all indigenous to this earth. We are all born with that connection, and I think it's about time that we've returned to that and reconnected to that. Well, Quaito, I know you have to I go. Would agree. Do you have any last words to that? I would just agree with, uh, you know, Mr. Martinez, that we are all interconnected. Um, you know, we all share this this planet, and thus we all share the responsibility uh, to look after it and look after, you know, each other. And I think um, often you know, cultures around the world get eroded and we lose sight of that. You know, we, we become uh, distracted by our daily occurrences and uh, the term gains. And I think, uh, again, you know, I stress the point whether we're focusing on poverty or education or health or climate change, uh, it's going to take a movement ultimately uh, to change the way things currently are uh, and make a better planet for all. Uh, so, you know, I'll be honest, I've been inspired, you know, by what I've heard today. I think it's amazing. Uh, and, again, it re- reaffirms my belief in, in the youth of today, ultimately, and the fact that, one, they not only care about um, issues, again, that may not be at their doorstep, uh, but they're also very self-aware about what's going on in our planet today, and they are increasingly finding unique ways to change it. And so. Thank you guys for uh, li- allowing me to participate in, in this interview. And, uh, and Martinez, I look forward to meeting you someday soon. Sounds great. Thank you so much for being here. Well, Mr. Martinez, we have you stay on in Quaku as always. Thank you so much. And, um, you know, we'll just say God bless you and, and have a beautiful time for your grandfather's uh, birthday. Thank you so much, Gail. I really appreciate that. And as, a, as always, a pleasure speaking to you. Okay, and um, we'll and we look forward. So, you know, Mr. Martinez, we're going to continue on with you, sir. Sounds good. So, I mean, you know, that uh, that was amazing to have both of you on just dialoguing. And you know, I know Jay has some questions for you because I I kind of you know snuck in there a little bit. So, uh, Jay, what do you have for Mr. Martinez? Well, first I would like him to just repeat his name one more time so our listeners can play it. Yeah, so it's not it's not as difficult as it's written. Um, it's shoe, tez, cot. Like a shoe on your foot, tez, and then cot. Shoe, tez, cot. Shoe, tez, cot. Okay, so shoe, shoe tez, cot. You are 15 years old. So I'm... So I'm not going to call you Mr. Martinez right now, because <laughs> you should you you to a fat. Okay, there you go. Let me start. A, so my, my question to you is really simple. 
Okay, you've been referring to as a kid warrior. You know, I'm trying to figure out what is this kid warrior thing about, you know? I want to work, I mean, talk a little bit about that, you know, about, you know, what you're doing for globally being this kid superhero. I want to know what your powers are. I want to get to the beast of this, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, it was uh, it was a title that was given to me after that film was done. Um, the Vanessa Black did an amazing film, um, kind of highlighting the work that I've done, my life as as a young individual, and a, a lot of really cool things. So yes, being being cute, I, I think that one thing that was powerful about that film and about that message of being a kid warrior is the understanding that I am. No different than any other 15-year-old on the planet. I maybe um, in the sense that you know, I'm, there's nothing particularly special about me. Um, I'm not making a difference. Yeah, I mean, other than than like, I don't know, I'm, I'm driven to take action upon things and, and fight for what I believe in. But you know, I'm, I'm okay. a normal 15-year-old kid. I get in trouble. I go to school. You know, I hang out with friends. I goof off. I procrastinate. You know, I'm I'm a normal 15 year old. You know, making all the same mistakes that every other 15 year old is making, and um, and the thing is that that's pow- what's powerful about that is you know there's nothing special about me, which which encourages young people when they understand that when they hear that, you know, it shows them that any 15 year old on the planet could be doing what I'm doing. Maybe it's not. It, it, it was easier for me certainly because of the support system I had from my family, the support that I got from from my community, but we all each and every one of us has that power to be able to take action on that level and to be able to make a difference in the world and make an impact on the life that we are going to be living in the future. Every 15-year-old on the planet has that power. Every young person on the planet has the power to influence world leaders and to influence decisions that are being made on our behalf. We have that power. We have that responsibility, too. So I think the title of Kid Warrior is, is you know, stressing the fact I'm a normal kid, I'm a normal teen doing what I believe in fighting for what I believe in, and understanding that will help young people around the planet continue to do good things, continue to do positive things, and understand that there's nothing special about me. I'm not a superhero. I'm, I'm nothing, you know. I, I came from a low-income family and in a, in, a, in a beautiful part of the world and um, doing everything that I can to, to, to really fix the crisis that we see on this planet and doing my part to protect the Earth for future generations to come. Okay, so I just want to ask one more thing, Gail, yeah. okay? So how long have you been this normal cat, this normal kid? Because you are extraordinary, what you're doing. <laughs> I mean, you started three or four years old. What, what happened, Gail? What, what's going on, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I started all this when I was six is when I first did my first public speaking engagement. Um, in downtown Boulder, you know, my hometown, um, and it was, it was pretty crazy, um, you know, people ask me, you know, how am I the way that I am, you know, why am I doing the, the work that I'm doing, why is it so important to me, and it's, it's just a lot of the ways that I was raised, my connection to the, my culture, my connection to the earth, um, was pretty, played a pretty important role in, in getting me active and getting me working on a lot of these issues, um, just because I saw that, that when I was when I was young, you know, I spent my entire childhood in in the forest, in the in the rivers, the mountains of, of Colorado. And and you know, to me, I was taught, you know, this is my world, you know. But even more than that, the I belong to this earth. 
um, and I was going to make a difference in the world someday. And what what happened with that is that this connection that I had with the world, as soon as I started seeing the destruction that was happening, the destruction that we were causing, the fact that we were tearing apart our ecosystems, our living systems, you know, my world was being destroyed. The world that I belonged to, the world that, that I, you know, had, had claimed responsibility for was being torn apart. And it was my responsibility to do something to protect my earth, to protect what I love. And I, I don't know, that that increased my, my passion and it made me very driven to achieve what I want. Um, and I've, I've kind of been on the front lines ever since, you know, protecting what I love and fighting for what I believe in. It's really as simple as it is. Amazing. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna come on in here because um you say you're you're Lakota, right? I'm uh, I'm Mexica, but I I've I've been in Lakota ceremony since I was really young. I'm I'm from yeah, my father is from the, the Mexica people of, of Mexico, Mexico City. But I've been in Lakota ceremony since I've been here for since I was, you know, really little doing you know, Sundance, just got back from Sundance and Wet lodges and, and peyote ceremonies. So, so you're, you're a little bit part of you're part of the Oglala. Yeah, 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 yeah. So my my, my father is part, partially Oglala and Cherokee. Mm, wow. So, you know, so I I know that you understand the earth, and I think all of us understand the earth to a degree. I and now would you say that explains some of your determination. I hear it in your soul. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think it does. Um, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I, I'm fulfilling a purpose by doing what I do. I feel like. Um, you know, I feel like each and every person on this planet is, comes here for a reason. Um, and part of being human is discovering what that reason is. And doing this work, you know, makes me feel like I'm making a difference. I couldn't not do something about this issue because I'm so connected to the the people and the earth that is being destroyed by climate change and by uh, our destructive lifestyles of people on this earth. You know, I'm I'm so connected to the people that are going to be affected by it, really. And well, you, that, yeah, go ahead. That's that's great. I have a question for you. We hear that you are a hip hop climate activist. So you know what we were going to do, right? We've got to put you on the spot. We want to sh- we want you to shoot shoot us a couple of lines here live. All right. So this yeah, okay. is for us. Cool. I got a good one for you guys. So check this out. Um, along with with this activism thing I've been doing, speaking all over the world at different big venues, representing youth at United Nations forums. Um, I'm a hip-hop artist, and I use hip-hop as a tool to engage young people. Um, and with positive messages, with positive lyrics, and using that the beat, the rhythm, the music, um, that kind of mainstream type of thing to engage people in something that is more positive. So I'll, uh, I'll do a line from a song of mine called Who Am I? And um, I don't know, this will be kind of, a, kind of a good, for people that don't know me, kind of a good if you listen to the lyrics. So here you go. The quality is as good as it sounds on my phone. <laughs> So who am I? I'm an indigenous warrior fighting for my world and protecting my culture. I look outside at the world around me. I embrace the moment and live life happily. 
I listen to the music of life, divine sounds. I saw with my dreams as I fly off the ground, connected so deeply with all that I see. Feel the movement of the universe and the passing breeze. I can gaze at the stars, never-ending cosmic essence. Feel the rotation of the earth, a spiritual presence, because the earth mother shares her wisdom through me to create a world that is united and free. Yeah, who am I? That's a verse from a well, song on our Generation Rise. Well, thank, well I'm going to tell you this. Uh, Jay and I are letting you know that we will support you in your album and getting it out there and making a difference with that. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. On honor, really. You know, so this is my la- you know, this is one of my last questions, and I know Jay's got some more for you. Being at the U.N., I understand. You also spoke for Ted. What was it like to give your first TED Talk? Yeah. I gave gave two in like a few months period. Two TEDx Talks in in Denver and and one in Loveland. Um, Great audience. Huge turnout. The first one that I did was amazing. Um, It was was, uh, focused around youth and bringing youth out to the TED Talk and highlighting youth speakers. Um, there's probably like two to three thousand young people in the room, high school students from all around Denver, from all around Colorado that came to, to see that. So that was pretty amazing. Um, giving TED Talks has definitely been something that I that I love to do. Um, connecting to young people through that, um, connecting to an audience through through that that pretty um, powerful um, audience that is already listening to TED. Um, and and I got another one coming up in Manhattan here soon. Um, that you know, all this stuff is gonna be on our website, earthguardians.org, if y'all are interested in learning about any other future gigs that I got coming up. But um it's pretty pretty incredible I'd say. Pretty incredible to see that I can I can make a difference in the world. Um through through a lot of different channels, you know, using hip hop, you know, giving TEDx talks, giving school presentations. It's really amazing to have all these different experiences on my plate for sure. And it makes a difference in the way that I interact with the world. Well, I know, Jay, you had another question. Yeah, my question is going to be, uh, you know, I always have these strange questions, Gail. And the question I have for him is, do you think Earth is the only living planet in our universe? Hmm. Um, I think the vastness of our universe and the how little we really understand about it, um, this is definitely not a question I'm asked very often, ever, really. Um, but I think that the vastness of our universe and how little we know about it, I definitely think that there's this chance of, um, you know, other other planets out there that can support life, for sure. And again, I don't know really anything about this topic. You know, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it. Um, but yeah, I think just like how, how vast the universe is and how little we know about it, there's definitely possibility of um, other planets that could sustain life. So the, the reason why I ask you this is because there's a lot of dead planets out there, and with the global warming issue, I try to become one of them. So I'm wondering, you know, <laughs> looking at that possibility, <clears throat> maybe there's a reason why you are here and you're protecting our planet mm. with, with all your energy. So that's why I was looking at it like that. So I don't know if... Uh, you can respond to that, but since you you know you, you you said you grew up in the forests and in Colorado, and I just feel like you really you really connected with the spiritual planet encoding of the planet, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's intense. Thinking about you know that there's every chance that we could become another dead planet, you know, floating out there. Um, I believe that Earth will bounce back, you know, regardless of the destruction that we build upon it. The Earth will bounce back. You know, it has in the past. It's gone through a lot of ridiculous changes that has wiped out almost all life on Earth. I think what we got to understand is that what is at stake right now, more than anything, is human existence and our our ability to survive on this planet. Um, you know, people make the argument that carbon dioxide levels have been to 2,000 parts per million of carbon in the atmosphere. And, well, that is true. Humans weren't around then. You know, we, did, we didn't exist then. And um, what we got to see is that not only is climate change about the planet, it's not just about the Earth, it's not just about the environment, it's about people. It's about the people and the lives that it's going to affect as well as it is about the planet. And we got to start seeing that, you know, this planet that we are living on is currently is perfect. You know, without humans... May, may do better, may not. But I think that what we got to see is that we are put on this planet for a reason. we got to ask ourselves, are we really ba- fulfilling that? To balance, to balance the planet, to balance. <laughs> we're, here to, we're here to do what you're doing. But all of us can't see what see that. So we're here to balance the planet. I mean, here we are, you know, you got climate change, we can burn the planet up with all the gases, or we can kind of cool it down. So we're here to take care of this living thing. Yeah. Well, one of the questions I had for you as well is I want to know what are some of the solutions that you have found that we can do every single day? Can you share that with us? Yeah. Um, I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to list off, you know, 10 things you can do to, to protect the environment or, or, or 50 things you can do to um, stop because um, you can find those kind of lists everywhere, you know. Look them up if you really want to know, you know. I'm not, I'm not here to tell you to ride your bike or to, to, to change your light bulbs. You know, that's, all that is great, you know. And all that's necessary. Do it. Look it up. Find it out. Get interested about it. And if you are, then then, then take action like that, you know. Do you. But I think that the, the better message that I can I can give you of something you can do every day is is – Challenge the way that you think. Challenge the way that you think about the earth. Challenge the way that you think about the items that you have, about the life that you live. Challenge the way that you relate to other people. Because I feel like the greatest issue that we face today isn't climate change. I feel like the greatest issue that we face today is the way in which we relate to the planet and the mindset of our generation, the mindset of the society, the mindset of these people. Because if you look at the issue of climate change, you know, whether it's solar or whether it is nuclear or natural gas or coal or oil, most people on the planet aren't going to really give a damn about how they get our energy as long as they can still drive their cars, as long as they can still have as much electricity, as long as they can have two cars in the garage and take and consume as much as they want, whether that's from solar or from natural gas or from oil, from fossil fuels. That mindset that flipping it, the switch from fossil fuels to solar isn't going to fix it, you know? What we got to see and what is real is that people need to shift the way in which we see the planet, the way in which we see each other, because it's not working. It's really not. And what is at stake is, is, is the planet. What is at stake is our future. And we got to see the way in which we change that is the way in which we relate to the earth, the way in which we think about that planet. Right now, for us, it's a tool. It's a resource. It's a commodity. Um, and everything that we have can be taken, and everything that we have can be used. And we can take as much from we want as a planet, as much as we can, without understanding the impacts that it has on our future. So, 
I challenge you to change the way that you think, to change the way that you see the world, even if it's in a small way, because that's what's going to make the difference. We need people to change the way that we think. We don't need people to change the light bulbs. We need to change people to change the lifestyle. In order to change the lifestyle, you got to wake the way That's what I believe in Well, we have two last questions for you, and then we're going to thank you for being on. My last question is, well, it's actually a two-part. Have you traveled a lot? Yeah, I travel all the time. These last to other, um, to other countries. Yeah, I've been on out to, out of the country. I haven't done a whole lot of traveling. I've been to Australia twice. For We're actually crazy. you a bit. Crazy so, lot of background noise on the end. Sorry about that. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so you've been to Australia. My question to you is: When you've gone to other countries, right? I'm going to ask you the same question we asked Kwaku, and especially as the young people. As a young person, what do you think is missing in the United States with education in urban areas that others have access to or don't have access to? Or what's different about us that we're not getting the education for our for our kids that other countries are working on you know, in some ways better than us? Can you tell us that? Can you give us an eye into that? Hmm. So I've been to Australia, I've been to Mexico, and I've been to Brazil. Um, and I've I've plans for for touring all over the world, um, with my music and with with the, the projects and the Earth Guardian work that I'm doing, and I think that all overall, um, there's there's certainly a lot lacking in the way in which we are teaching our children, in the way we are bringing up our children, and I cannot tell you that I've seen it better situ- better situations of this in other countries that I've been to than in the United States. Um, and you talk about urban areas too that have a lot less access often to higher levels of education and and you know impoverished communities in the United States that don't have that kind of access um, to high levels of education. I think that what we got to start to understand is what we teach this next generation is the way in which they're going to be taking care of the world in the future and how they will be seeing the world now. Um, and if we can shift the way in which we are educating this generation, we can shift the way that they act towards the planet. For the future, not just we are the prime ministers and presidents and governments, but what what is real is is that this generation is is going to be making a difference now, right here, right now, and we got to understand that what what we teach them in our school systems is the way that they will they will act towards the planet often. And if we can begin to integrate positive studies, if we can integrate, you know, if we can teach young people to love themselves, as an example of something. You know, if we could teach young people to love the earth, if we could teach young people to connect to nature, if we could teach young people that their decisions affect the planet, if we could teach young people how to respond to climate change, if we could teach young people how to grow their own food, you know, we could, we could be teaching young people the most valuable lessons of their lives in elementary, middle school, and high school, college, throughout life. They could be learning these things, but instead we're being filled with things and, and things and historical events that happened hundreds of years ago and people that died and their quotes and not that any of that's bad, you know, but we're at a point in time where we got to start learning differently, learning how to live differently. Kids don't know how to grow their own food. Kids don't know how to plant a garden. Kids don't know how to take care of themselves a lot of the times. Kids don't know how to, you know, survive in this world. And a lot of times they feel like they're on their own because of that lack of support from our school systems. And if we could change the way in which we teach this generation, we could change the way in which they relate to the planet, in which they see the worth. And that is, I think, one of the most valuable things that we can do is change the way we are educating this generation, whether it comes from the schools, whether it comes from the Internet, or whether it comes from 
you know, organizations like mine, like Earth Guardians, that are trying to educate young people in the right kind of way. So I definitely think that that's up there, and that more and more people need to start being aware that what we learn now is going to affect us in the future. Right now. Well, I'm going to I'm going to say this last thing to you before Jason's question, and it's it's a Lakota word, and I'm going to say "filamayeye," which is thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for being with us. And Jay, I know you have one last question for him before we say goodbye. Oh, I hate to say goodbye. Um, one of our young listeners wanted me to ask him this question when they found out. And if I don't ask this question, then you'll be in deep trouble with our young audience. They wanted me to ask you if there any truth to the Kim Trail Conspiracy theory. Chemtrail conspiracy. Um, I would. I prefer to stay away from conspiracy theories in the sense that a lot of it is based around fear and a lot of it is based around projecting and blame. Um, generally, I like to stay away from conspiracy theories. Not saying that there's not truth to it. I think that I've had a lot of people in the last couple years, as soon as chemtrails came, became a big thing, that have been telling me to talk about it, that have been telling me to research it, that have been telling me, you know. But I think that that one thing that we got to think about is that, you know, there's there's every chance in the world that that is happening, um, whether, you know, I've definitely not given it enough thought or enough research in order to give you a solid answer whether it's true or not, um, but I don't know, I think that there's definitely a possibility that that's having a huge impact on weather patterns for sure, um, but again, you know, I'm not an expert on that, I haven't spent a lot of time researching <laughs> and studying it, so the truth is that I don't know. Um, okay, can you do the I? <laughs> Well, I, I just thank you. I just thank you so much, Jay, and I thank you and Kwaku. And it was nice to see you and Kwaku get into so you know so much. And we hope you'll come back again. For sure. You know. And there's another saying in Lakota, which is "Tahan wachina yakai snai," and that's "Long time no see." So we're going to look at you're coming back again, and it'll be long time no stay. That sounds great. You guys take care. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It's really wonderful to be here. No problem. Thank you. What an amazing, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much. Same to you. Oh, wait, wait, one, wait, wait, Jay, I have to ask him this one thing. We meant to ask you this. Your brother said he went viral by being silent. Can you please explain that to us? Yeah. My brother brother did not say one word for 45 days, and he is one of the most talkative 11-year-olds that I know. He is now 12. But when he did that, it was it was pretty wild. He was he was it's it's a long story that you guys can learn more about on our website, RaceGuardians.org. But pretty much what happened is he saw that after the big climate march in New York. Not a lot of action was coming out of that. You know, people, 400,000 people marched through the streets of New York, and then it kind of simmered down and, you know, faded away. And so what he decided to do is, is you know, we've been talking about climate change for so long and nothing's happened, but what if we went silent instead? And he went silent for 45 days, and the world noticed silence rather than someone trying to speak up. And the silence worked as kind of his megaphone. So when he did talk again after 45 days of silence, when the whole world was listening, he delivered his message that it's time to become climate leaders, each and every one of us. We cannot depend on the world leaders at COP21 to make the difference. If they do, wonderful. 
but we have to understand that each and every one of us has the power to be leaders in our own life. And it's a pretty powerful message, and he's continuing it on with that. We're trying to get a million signatures to COP21 to show the world leaders that the people of this earth are, are ready to step up and are going to be watching their decision and depending, not depending on them, counting on them because it is their responsibility to make a good decision. So that petition is on our website. Check it out, earthguardians.org. And, yeah, read more about my brother's story. It's amazing. He's, he's one of the Not a problem. We will be at COP21, and we will be in touch with you about your music. Thank you so much. I, I, yeah, I can't wait till this young. I can't wait till this young guy comes back. So we're looking forward to talking to you again. And so we'll be sixteen then. <laughs> no, we're gonna have him back this year. We're gonna have him back this year. Oh, okay. So, uh, Scott, thank you so much. Thank you all. <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye. What an amazing young man, Jay. What an amazing. He blew my mind. Wow. I haven't spoken. Yeah. I haven't spoken Lakota, Kota, or Oglala language in years. Wow. That, that's something. I mean, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's that's something many people don't know. I mean, um, my father, for the short time that I've known him, taught me a few words. Okay, and what a lot of people don't realize is that indigenous people, you know. We are right now um, having our radio show live from the radio from the United Nations, and a lot of people do not realize that the indigenous people come to the UN all the time. They tell us about the Earth and the Earth talking. Now, to us, we may think, "Oh, that's crazy," but actually, they have a lot. We had a gentleman come to the United Nations and put his head down on the ground and tell us what the earth was saying and two days later what he said was going to happen happened not what the weather service had because they have a unique understanding for the earth and this is important and we do too we just don't pay it any mind and a, a little girl said to me you know I want to leave this last part Jay and hear your thoughts on this a little girl said well I have a lot of money but what is that going to do for me if the earth opens up that's what she said to her mother on the bus Wow, that's a, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, I don't know if I can even answer that question to her because it's scary, <laughs> you know. Um, it's scary because money can't buy money can't buy love, and so we need to love our planet. And that's what that's what we're about in our show, you know, raising these eyebrows and these thoughts on how to make our place a better place, you know. So I don't know how I can answer that, girl. Yeah, let's um. I'd be afraid to, if my daughter asked me that, I would be afraid to answer it, you know, because basically there's nothing you can do, no matter how much money you have, it doesn't matter. Well, you know, I want to also give a shout-out to our social media person, um, Crystal. Um, if it wasn't for seeing the article that she posted for us on Listen and Give, we wouldn't have had this young man on, Okay. So we just want to give a shout-out to Emma Argal and Crystal Berno for all the work they do with Jay and I for our pages and everything, and you guys are doing a good job, and we thank you. So, Jay, you know, I think since this earth is a treasure and we are all a treasure, I think we should leave out with treasure by patent leather. What do you think? I agree with you 100%. Let's do it. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. We'll see you next week. We've got even bigger surprises for you next week. Bye. <laughs>